we bless all these young ones as they begin school this week. We take authority over any kind of evil intent that would try to corrupt them or harm them in any way. And we just ask a covering and the anointing of the Spirit to be upon all of them. What a good group today. Even little Jose Jr. just walked up through there. That great. All right, would you please turn in your Bible to the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 1. Today, oh, and, and also, while you're turning there, um, I, I know that there was a lot of discussion this morning on and off about um, how the Lord protects us. I just want to mention this, and um, I had a discussion on Tuesday with Monica about this, and uh, I just want to, from the pulpit here, not just in this house, but in all of our saints' network, I want to declare that the protection of the Lord will be upon all of you, and that if there are any kind of assignment that is being leveled against you or our mission, that um, God would arise and the enemy would be scattered. And we, we come against any kind of, of um, enemy uh, desire to, to hurt you in any way. And, and in fact, we, we, we turn that to the good now. So I proclaim that and i um, very grateful for the, for the goodness of the Lord in, in that way. We want to talk about Jesus being our faithful witness. And Revelation 1, verse 5, is the passage that we're going to read. We'll reference a couple of other, two other passages of Scripture as well. But we want to focus about what it means to be the witness that the, the Bible speaks about, particularly in the book of Revelation. But that term is utilized um, in many places throughout the New Testament. And it, it very much is um, something that we need to become more apprised of than we ever have because we do read that in the days that are coming, uh, one of the main measures of ministry amongst uh, the people of God in power is going to be through this ministry of the witnesses. And so, um, anyway, let's read this. From Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, and the first begotten of the dead, the prince of the kings of the earth, under him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his blood. In verse 6, he hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Kings and priests. That's just leaping off the page here to me. Um, he, it says he has made us this. You Sometimes people are a little iffy about saying this kind of thing in our current walk, and they want to throw it into the future. We will be this. Now, I know that there's prophets, priests, and kings. But here, he has already made us to be covenant authority representatives 
and those that convey the presence of the Lord into a particular place, a particular region, kings and priests. But it's in conjunction with the price of becoming witnesses. And we're going to look one other passage, just a couple of pages further, Revelation 3.14. Speaking about Jesus again. Unto the angel of the church at Laodicea write, These things say the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. Of course, this talking about Jesus. I, I like what he writes to this church at Laodicea, which was a wealthy church. Um, it was a reference to it during earlier this morning to retaining our first love. But he says he's the amen, which is the representative of the right hand of the Father, Amen, amen. And the faithful, one who functions on behalf of what is spoken in faith from that right hand, and the true witness, one who is d d depicted by God as someone who will partner with him in bringing forth things that have been hidden, things that have not been seen. Those three things are attached to Jesus being the witness. So we know that witness here is martis. And We've also talked about how that the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus, martyros. It's the same word, basically. Um, what, is that, what does that mean, martis? Does it just mean that you're willing to put your head on the chopping block? Does it just mean that you're willing to suffer, you know, some measure of, of um, antagonistic uh, response to your, your message? Well, of course, we should be devoted in that way. But Martus is something much deeper than that. At the heart of Martus, which is witness, is your willingness to offer sacrifice on behalf of the cause that has been trusted to you. You know, today we hear about witnesses that are appearing before Congress and witnesses that appear on Capitol Hill or in, or in one of the thousand or so um, uh, attempts to indict former President Trump. We hear about witnesses. And, you know, the, the weird thing about witnesses today is they don't really have to tell the truth. There's no accountability. You can say whatever you want to say. Everybody has their own story. But when we were growing up, a witness had to be somebody that was telling the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth, so I hope you God. And, um, and so the idea of being a witness in our society has really lost its, its, uh, its, its sense of purity. But in the New Testament, martis meant that you were, you were embracing some measure of, a, of an identity, some measure of a, a representing of a cause. And with that, you weren't just talking about it. You weren't just, bless God, living the life for everybody to see. There was always the element of it costing you. Martus was 
a costing of something. And so there's no more wonderful um, example of this than our Lord Jesus, who was willing at the behest of the Heavenly Father in God's plan to give himself to, to sacrifice. And he sacrificed himself long before Calvary. He sacrificed himself from the moment he said, I'm, I will go. Isaiah speaks about that, where God looked and wondered and found no one, and he himself, his own arm went. And that, that sacrifice was at the very beginning of the Lord's willingness to come and to, to give himself. He sacrificed himself every day in his walk upon the earth. And it, it cost him something to be the representative of the Father. And I think that's one of the ways that um, as we offer fasting before the Lord, when he directs a fast, it's kind of like, it's, yes, it's an offering to God, but it's kind of like a working of the musculature of this dynamic of being a witness, which is why the spirit of, uh, of prophecy is this testimony of Jesus. If, if, if you're going to commit yourself to be a prophet or to prophesy, you're, you're first of all, be, being willing to, to embrace what you're saying. That's where the real power comes in. It's through the, it, it's not about works, but it's, it's about your investment and your willingness to stand on behalf of what your calling and election is, which Peter said we need to make that sure. So to be a witness in the days of the book of Revelation um, empowers the prophetic mindset, and it certainly empowers the calling of being a saint. Because, it's again, it's not about works, but this costing of something. It, it's, it's you being willing to give yourself on behalf of what God's called you to do. I've never understood those that say, oh, I'm willing to die for this cause that God has given, and then... You know, it's like what Pastor Jack would say regularly. That's the problem with a living sacrifice. It has the ability to crawl off the altar. And, uh, but, but for those that would really be witnesses with Jesus, you know, what was the pattern Jesus set there in, in Revelation 3, which we just read? He is the great amen. The, the essence of our being a witness is at the right hand of the Father, because that's what the word means. You can do a, a Gene Kelly soft shoe dance around it, but it means the right hand. And so that's the essence, where God imparts our assignment, and we then commit ourselves to whatever it might cost us. And, you know, God is not impressed by our the things we offer god is impressed by our willingness to give ourselves on behalf of him 
And that, that cost of partnership, it's not by works, but that ministers to the Lord. That ministers to God, which is why Jesus would always say, I, I've come to do the will of him who sent me. I've come to be about my father's business. He would say those things regularly because that's where he had invested himself at the right hand. And it costs something to be a, a martyr and a martyros. And then to be faithful to that, to walk on behalf of what has been received at the right hand, and then to be willing to embrace whatever the Father is trying to reveal, whatever he's trying to demonstrate. And I was thinking the other day um, about how many times in our walk together, we have been given the, 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 the opportunity of partnering with God as intercessors and to be able to see something that we never would have imagined a place that we never would have imagined uh, open up and us see God doing something that to that point has been hidden. It's, it's, totally, it's so often uh, in a church, um, people get some vision or they, they say, we're going to build this building or we're going to do this and we're going to do this. And they go about trying to get uh, patrons and those that would um, build, um, help to, to support that cause. And that's good. I mean, you, you, have to, you have to do that at times. But the idea of investing yourself in something that, well, I don't know about that. I've never seen that before. Oh, this is just, when you talk about, what, what do you want me to give myself to? You know, something that's been hidden that now is uh, is going to be revealed someday. You're going to look like a fool while you're investing yourself, but then by and by, when the morning comes, God lifts his hand, and you're able to see what he's done. That is anticlimactic to what most churches do. I know. I grew up in a church. And, and, and I'm not taking away from momentum or visual motivations. I'm not taking away from that at all. But the idea of... You look at the categories of people that are found in the book of Revelation. You have saints, you have prophets, you have witnesses, you have those that love the Lord. And there are, it takes all kinds of people. But to, to be a witness, to sacrifice something on behalf of what has been spoken to you at the right hand of the Father, that, being, that it is not as though it is, and, and to invest yourself into that, Woo, that's hard. Well, it's not hard for you. You've done it a lot of times. But it's, it's very difficult to get people to, you know, I always wondered about why the assemblies were um, established in a state that was called the show-me state. But that's another story for another day. Um, you know, blessed are those who have seen, who have not seen and yet believe. And um, I... I, I know that the heart of being a witness in the New Testament is that you've received something from God that you're investing yourself into, and it's going to cost you something. And, and, and God is that way. I mean, think about this. This is calling Jesus just in two locations uh, in, in, that we read. 
Um, the Apostle Paul was, and, and throughout the New Testament, the Apostle Paul was continually referencing, God is my witness. Let God be my witness. Uh, over and over again, now, there was something special about his relationship with the Heavenly Father that entailed this business of being a witness on behalf of our Lord, who is the ultimate witness that made the way for us to be a witness. Um, and that's, you know, so many things we have to understand when it talks about witnesses in the New Testament. Like in the New Testament, it speaks in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. And, you know, if you bring an accusation against somebody that's in leadership, you better have at least two or three witnesses. Witnesses. Not just people who are flapping their gums or who heard something or who doesn't like what's going on and, you know, I, I, you know I'm going to murmur about this, I'm going to tell you. None of those people invested diddly, nothing, into what God has called the leader to do. And we saw that. And, and so the Apostle Paul says, if you're going to have a course correction attempted by somebody that God has appointed a leader, you better have at least two or three people that are recognized as having sold into the program. Because other than that, the whole thing collapses like a wet taco. So you can't have that. But yet, it, you know, we, we just kind of, as is the case with so many uh, things in the Scripture, we just kind of make our own definition. And we think that a witness is just somebody who has an opinion. No, no. Or a witness is somebody who just... Uh, he wants to ride the wave. Oh, this is exciting. I'm here. Well, what did you sacrifice? Gas to get to the place, hoping you get a drop from the river? Oh, I just like being around this. Well, I'm sorry. That's not a witness. That's somebody that's a, a spectator and maybe a, somebody that just likes to be in parades. But the witness, it has to cost you something. And the ultimate thing is that, you know, if need be, you're willing to offer yourself as a martyr. What made Stephen such an important witness, a martyr? Because he was a man full of faith and power. He was one of the men that had been, uh, had committed himself to this fledgling thing known as the ecclesia. And everybody knew him. Everybody knew that he had walked the walk and paid the price. And when they were hurling those stones with the Apostle Paul being right there witnessing it before he became the Apostle Paul, after, the, after he became the Apostle, his stone-throwing days were over. But um, only then he cast aspersions now and then. No, he didn't. Uh, that, you know, Stephen, God opened up the heavens, and what did he see? The Lord at the right hand of the Father. I mean, why? Why would this first real martyr, most public martyr after Jesus, be given that scene of seeing Christ at the right hand? Because the witness begins at the right hand, and there is a cost involved. Again, I say for the fifth time now, it's not about works. If you're just out sacrificing stuff, hoping that you can throw enough sacrifices at the wall, maybe you'll impress God, he's not really impressed by that. He really isn't. But, you know, the, the thing that, in, that impresses him is that if you're willing to show up at the right hand where Jesus made the way for you to be of the throne of God, 
and you hear from God, and you walk away from there, walking the walk, talking the talk, embracing what he wants to do, walking in faith, not by sight, and, you know, you, you are then willing to see what strange thing God is going to do, which confirms his word based upon his word, and you're willing to lay down anything to, to, um, to surrender any measure of, of, uh, of, of uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Convenience. You're laying that all down so that you can be what God has given you. And that's the essence of a witness. And that's the heart of prophecy, according to what the Scripture says. And so, you know, it's flippant for us to just toss about the idea that, yeah, we, you know, we're sacrificing. But it's, it's deeper than that. It's, it's a total selling out of yourself to God. And that is what ministers to him. And, and that is the fragrance that God will not resist. And so um, I started to pray about this topic of being a witness uh, a number of days ago, but I really wasn't praying about witness. I was praying in conjunction with a dream that was submitted to me by one of the pastors of our network. And without going into all the details of the dream, which I am processing, and I've submitted it for, for counsel, but I, you know, I'm, I'm living it every day and even in the night because I know it's a word from the Lord. But in this dream, this pastor saw our church from this perspective, looking out and surrounding the, the walls to the back of the, of the church was what this pastor deemed to be a great cloud of witnesses. And there was also the, the idea that God was settling things right now and removing obstacles that he has reserved for his timing to be removed and that there's something great that's about to be manifested on behalf of what he's promised us. But as I looked at this passage in Hebrews 12.1, which is the last passage we're going to. You know this. You've probably quoted it many times. Uh, this idea of what it really means to be a witness came about. So let's, let's look. Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Let's talk about this first, because this is amazing. Now, to be compassed about is perikamai. And remember years ago, we studied from the Old Testament the word sum, and we studied in the New Testament the word kamai. In fact, we would say those together, sum kamai. And what, what that meant was that a person is faithful in the, in the location that God has assigned you to serve. That's your kamai. Um, and and it it really it's a personal it's a, it's a personal commitment to first of all fulfill your calling. There's a difference between your individual calling, who you are in God, and the place that he that he places you. And then you also might be functioning on behalf of an apostolic calling. 
which is something that God has not revealed, but now he's using you to be his voice piece to sow that apostolic calling. But be that as it may, Perikamai is, is a surrounding of the place and, and the faithfulness to the place that God has called you. And that, that was seen. But it also says, compassed about was so great a cloud of witnesses. It's interesting that this word cloud, um, it's not just some, you know, kind of a foggy thing, the Shekinah. You know, it's, it's not just, it's not that. Most people just take it as that. But nephos is the Greek word that cloud comes from. And this was used throughout society, the Greek society, to speak about a mindset. It was, it was, it was to speak about uh, embracing a set of ideas and the, the synergy of many people coming together with a common goal that would create what they would call a, a, a nephos. And I think it's interesting that today, you know, we... we uh, we keep files in the cloud, you know. We, we, we're, we're keeping all our records in the cloud, you know. We say that. They don't say nephos. But that's the idea wherein they gained that. It was this thought process joined together and equally embraced. And there's power in that. And I think it's also interesting, and this might interest in Ava particularly, but all of us, is that in, in the Greek, nephos is cloud, and kidney is nephros, which they use this idea of a common goal, and, and then even it extrapolated into clouds in the sky or, you know, something that moved quickly as a cloud in the sky. But that gathering, that cumulus, uh, that's what they use to describe the inner workings of the kidneys. And I wonder, too, then, if when God says he tries the reins and uses that word for kidneys, if one of the ways God tries the reins is, how are you doing on what I've entrusted you to do? How are you doing on the things that you've told me you're dying to self to accomplish? How are you doing on that? I'm going to try that. I'm going to try the reins of your heart because, you know, if, if the steering wheel of your life is going to embrace what you say you're representing from the right hand of the throne, I'm going to test that. Some of the ways he tests that is by saying, how about, um, are you willing to sacrifice this for this calling? Oh, we've sacrificed many things over the years. And that theme um, continues here. What does is, what is the, the writer of the Hebrews say? Since we have this great cloud of witness, maybe I should touch on this too. Um, Part of the cloud is right here in the natural. And I'm not getting into necromancy or anything of that nature. Um, but, but I do know that there are those in the past that have sown into the progression that now we have the privilege of taking the baton and moving forward. I don't know how all that operates in heaven. I'm not getting messages from other people, but I've seen people in heaven. And I know I could get in trouble for saying this, but I'm going to say it anyway. I've said this publicly. There have been a number of times where from this place, God has opened the insight into the heavens. And I've seen the Apostle Paul several times. And, and I, once God told me, 
I'm giving you and by you figuratively the opportunity of carrying on the things that I spoke through him, which is a large portion of the New Testament. Anybody with any sense at all in the church should not have no problem with that. If we say, well, I don't have anything to do with what Paul did, well, then tear out most of your New Testament. Just rip it out and shred it, which many people have already done, not in here, of course. But there is a great cloud of witnesses in heaven. John saw them. Read the book of Revelation. At one point, he was, he was talking to someone that he thought was either God or an angel, and the, the man said, stand upright. I'm one of your fellow servants of the prophets. Was that person living right then? Maybe. Had that person gone on before? Maybe. We're not getting messages from the dead, but there is a great cloud of witnesses. You know, sometimes even people who would turn their nose up at that will say, well, I just know my old Aunt Sally who prayed for me many years is looking down from heaven. Oh, watch that. You can't reference the fact that Aunt Sally has anything to do with the Lord in heaven. She's probably still tuning up her heart and harp and walking the streets of gold and asking Jesus all the whys and wherefores for the cruddy things that happened in her life. I'm just quoting from a lot of old Southern gospel songs. And catching up with all the people that she hadn't seen in a while. I think that there is a great interest in serving the will of the Father, especially as things come to a head, which we're in those days. So this great cloud of witnesses is not just a human group, but, but I believe that there are... God allows this. And of course with God, it's like this. The end from the beginning. Yes, same yesterday, today, forever. A day with the Lord is a thousand years. For God, a moment in time, whoosh, you know, I, I'm, I'm just astounded by that. But there is a great cloud of witnesses. Now, part of it is this growing group of saints around the world who embrace the Word of God, who embrace intercession, who embrace pneumatikos principles that God has shown from the Word and who are willing to give themselves as intercessors to see God's hand move in the way that God wants it to move. There's a sowing into that. There's a sacrifice. And your life is a witness. Your life is a witness. It is a, it is a measure of devotion to God that costs you something. And again, I think it was Zach mentioned not offering to God something that cost you little. I don't know. I was in there praying. So I, he was the only man up here. But, you know, sometimes you hear voices and when you're praying and you can't discern. But the point, though, is, is that God is all about you being willing to give of yourself. So what is, how does it continue here beyond that witnesses part, which is interesting. I thought this dream really, not that, all the dreams that are com committed, they affect. But there are some, though, and you can't make this happen. It's not whether you love somebody more. I mean, sometimes a dream comes and it, bing, like a bell rings. And, and you know this is a word from God. Here a little, there a little. Sometimes here a lot. And, and I know that this meant something for us. 
uh, there is a culminative point that God is bringing us to in the mutual sacrifice that you all have made on behalf of the Father. And God is bringing things to a head. I don't want to come this close to the shore and have the boat split apart like we read about uh, from the book of Acts today. Let's stay the course. But let's see what he says here. Let us lay aside every weight. Uh, what's, what's that mean? This is, this is a, first of all, lay aside, apotetheme. What does tetheme mean? It's what you're doing with what God has sown into your life. It's your ordination. It's your calling. It's in conjunction with the Thoris in heaven. That's you. That's you, apotetheme. So you, you recognize anything that's call, the coming against whatever it is that I have been entrusted to be and to do, I'm laying that aside. Boy, it's, it's hard to do that sometimes, isn't it? Sometimes it's hard to separate your responsibilities on earth with this. And it's kind of sneaky because you're the only one with God who really knows what God has called you to do. And you, you're expecting somebody else to respect that? Uh-uh. I've learned that so often it's the case. You give an inch, you're expected to give a mile. And if you don't police what your calling is, ain't nobody going to do it for you. I'm speaking to myself, and I'm speaking to everybody in here. So we lay aside, on behalf of what? Being a witness. What have we sacrificed ourselves to represent God in, and what personally have I been given that I have to make sure I'm functioning in? Now, whatever it is, this cloud of witnesses is looking at me and saying, hey, you know what, this is coming into, uh, into a collision course with what you really called to be. You better lay this aside. Lay aside what? Two things. Every weight. This is a strange Greek word, okos. And you know, this is weird. Every weight. This is the meaning of this. It's kind of like the, the straws on the camel's back. It's, it's this thing. Well, I've got to carry this thing, and I've got to carry this thing. Well, I have a responsibility for this, so I have a responsibility for that. And you take, you take a little, you take a little, you take a little. Pretty soon that becomes a lot. And before you know it, you're toting a ton. Anybody feel that way today? Don't raise your hands. <laughs> and, you know, I think, Ah, how do I say this? I'm supposed to be a kind and gentle pastor. How do I say it in an evangelistic voice? Maybe it's time for some of us to shed some weight spiritually. Things Sometimes when you take on responsibility, it's hard to get rid of it. It's not a temporary tote. And, and that's the idea of this ogkos. Every weight means what it means. It's one piece, and then it's another piece, and it's another piece. And again, I'm not talking about not honoring the needs that are presented before you that you have a responsibility for. It's all the other clutter that piles on, and you say, oh, I can carry this too, I can carry this too. And again, I and you as witnesses have a responsibility not to become so weighted down that we, we can't See, there the Lord's calling somebody. That's a word for whoever that is. That's a word for you. I'm playing. I'm just joking. 
Um, but, but then the other thing is things that easily beset us. Now, this is something totally different than okos. Because okos are things that you willingly accept and take on. And, you know, I've learned, I'm not quite off the okos yet, I've learned that you can, some people have a hard time at this, focusing on multiple things. And I know you can become, you can aim at everything and not hit anything. I know, I recognize that. But there, it's, it's like the old adage in church, you want something done, find somebody who's busy. You know, there are, there are people who know how to take responsibilities and yet stay focused on what their calling is. If you're not one of those people, you got to manage yourself and not take on everybody else's things that you feel accountable for. But you're still going to have to do the things that you have to do. But you are going to have to every day say, Am I fulfilling what God has really called me to be, spiritually, eternally? And that's the old course. It has more to do with what you say, okay, yeah, I can do that. Yeah, I can, I can take, yeah, I can do that. I can do that. Pretty soon you've got a mountain of stuff. And, and which, which are you, and that'll wear you out. It'll wear you out. Um, you know, I... Sometimes I pick up Levi, and that boy is a chunk. And I think, dear God, just carrying him for about 10 feet wears me out. And we love him. I don't mean anything bad by him. He's strong. He's a mighty man. But I wonder how much spiritual stuff you're allowing your physical condition to take and you're, you're worn out on things that you either need to become stronger or more skilled at, or you need to let some stuff go. Because the accountability is not to me. I'm not saying, hey, I've been watching some of you. You're sure letting me down over here. This is before the Lord. And these witnesses, this, this cloud of, uh, if there was ever a cloud, it is the pneumaticos uh, fabric of understanding that we have a responsibility to impart. That's what people are pulling on. You know that? Whenever we go overseas, that's what people are pulling at. They're pulling at what God has given in this collective understanding of his word and his collective understanding of how the spirit realm before the Lord operates. That drawing upon is part of the cloud, and the way you contribute to that and participate in that is through being a martos, to being a witness. You, and this isn't of works. This is not of works. But you have, to, you have to be invested to really move in that. And so, and I believe that connects us into the heavens as well. But this second one, you thought I'd never get to it, is the things that easily beset us. And these, this is a little bit harder to, to define in, in practical realm because these are the unexpected things that come up. And, you know, you've got to become skilled at being able to deal with things without letting them crater you. <laughs> I remember... 
Um, when I first became pastor, uh, my old friend Mike Santry arranged for me to go and meet Dr. Criswell at First Baptist. So we went down there to his office, and it, it amazed me when you walked into his office, his secretary's desk was there outside his office. And then there's this big painting of him in a white suit on the wall. And I thought, man, I got to get me one of those white suits. Have it painted, and I can just put it up there. So we go in there, and we're talking about a lot of things. And um, he said, Sometimes I won't even try to imitate him. You wouldn't. I, you, you might think I'm doing just a great job of imitating him, but I'll just do it in my voice. He said, Sometimes people marvel that I'm able to oversee this monstrosity. That's the word he used that God has built here. And, and it really was with Criswell College and the schools and the missions and all the people that were there. You know, I, I really commend him for being able to do it. And he said, and then some people say that when I finish the sermon and I go to the back and shaking hands with people, some people say that, oh, it's just like I'm sitting down with an old friend. Just in the few seconds that we share together on a Sunday morning, and then he paused and he said, do you know how long I've worked at that? He said, if you let every person's piddling problem penetrate who you are, you're going to be defeated before you get home for lunch that day. And I thought, whoa. I said, pastors talk that way? If they're really being honest, yeah, probably. And he had such a way. Brother Noah was this way. Jack Hayford was this way. I've watched that. Not that I'm this way. But, you know, those things that come along that could easily beset you, you've got to be caring and loving. How did Jesus move this way? How did he minister to hundreds and thousands of people? You've got to be willing to deal. And that, that we're just talking spiritual things. What about the, the stuff that hits you every day, all day long? You've got to be able to stay on focus without letting all the irritating things or the weighing upon you things come and take over your life. If you're not careful, circumstances every day will grab the steering wheel of your life and drive you into a ditch. It's true. Boy, I sound like we're in a counseling session here, aren't I? Maybe I'm listening to myself. Why did the Spirit of the Lord say this in this way here? We are compassed about Parakamai, with such a great cloud of martyrs. So, if we're going to be sowing our... How can you sacrifice before the Lord if you're sacrificing for everything else? The priority always has to be the first fruits to God. And if we're not careful, the first fruits will be gone within the first 20 minutes of the day. Do you understand that? We've got to sow ourselves and this martyrs to be a witness of this cloud of understanding eternally that God has given us. And the things that we accept, that we have a responsibility for, you better manage that. Clear the clutter. And it, it is, if you can do your job and then divest that to somebody else who's responsible, do it. 
But if not, you're going to be toting a mountain full of stuff. And how in the world are you going to sacrifice to the Lord when you've got, you're, you're drained. You got nothing to give. <laughs> you know what I mean? And the things that so easily beset, those things that come, just ping you from all sides. And we all face them. Can we become skilled enough? Well, what about compassion, Pastor? The same God that spoke about compassion dealt with these things too, and I think I'm reading something from the same book right here. How do you minister the love of the Lord? How do you minister? How do you take care of things while you still guard over your principal responsibility of being a martyr, a witness? How do you do that? Some We've seen over the years, some people just absolutely abandon their calling because of this. And we all recognize it. We may not call it all costs or, or these things that easily beset, but we all recognize it. We just don't say anything about it. Well, they're not, they're, you know, uh, what about, what about, I've been, sure been missing this person. Well, and we label one of these two things. This isn't happening right now. And I'm not talking to anybody. I'm only going off this dream, and I'm going off what's pricked me regarding this witnesses business. And as I prayed about it, what, what God's saying about what he's really invested here. And the imperative of being the witnesses. There's not just going to be two witnesses in the book of Revelation. This is going to be something that is inherent for all of us just as it is now. Are we willing to stand on behalf of what God has given? Am I willing, regardless of what it costs? And boy, is this crafty. It's just about the time you think you've given up everything and something new toddles along. And, and it, it comes with a smile on its face. It tugs at that part of your heart that God is wanting to develop in the future, but it's almost like a, the, the boomer sooner days. You know, their wagon is pulled up right on the line, and when God says, okay, it's time to develop this, well, bless God, I'm going to get there and take it for myself. we got to guard this. We really have to guard this. In the essence, look at this, the cloud of witnesses, pair came I. What has God given? And the, and the Tetheme, what, is, what has God given to me individually, and what has he placed before us? What is this cloud uh, of understanding and this commonality of purpose before the Lord for the eternal God? What is that? And I'm responsible for that. I buy into that by dying daily, by giving to God. That's the heart of Martus, and subsequently then the extrapolation into Martyros. You, know, you can process later how it applies to, to true prophecy, but I'm just talking about being a witness here. You know, spirit of prophecy is the testimony, the witness of Jesus. Uh, something great is ahead. I mean, we've been talking about breakthrough, and we've been seeing it. It's, it's incredible, the things that God is opening. And the responsibilities there are kind of daunting. But, you know, I, I, one of the ways the enemy would attack, I, I just be, I'm confessing, bless me, bless me, saints, for I've sinned. The enemy would come to me, you know, hey, do you really want to do this again? Do you really want to invest yourself 
And then he brings up your age. And then he brings up grandchildren. And then he brings up... Brings up the fact that you're almost going to the retirement age. Brings up the fact that you're not as spry as you used to be. He says all that malarkey. And are you willing to do what it says here that you used to do, that you did, I've, you know, I know I've done it, and that I've continued to have to do it. It's almost like God keeps us, it's a continuing sacrifice, which is pleasant for us. And, you know, the last thing that I'll say about this is we go back in our thinking to Revelation 3, where it describes the amen and the faithful witness. Who was he writing to? The Laodiceans. And what did they say? We are rich and increased with goods. We have no need of anything. And what it was said then to these people who were supposed to be witness, don't you know that you're, you're really on the cusp of destruction here, you know? And you need to have your eyes... Uh, anointed, and, and you need to recognize that you need to be clothed upon by the Spirit of the Lord for what he's wanting. You've got to return to your first love. All of those things were speaking to what he identified himself as, as the witness. I mean, if the witness is talking to you, you better be sure. If he identifies himself as the witness, then chances are part of his discussion with you is, what are you doing? You remember the calling? Remember the mission? Remember how it works? Are you giving everything? Are you saying you're giving everything? Witness has nothing to do with what you say. It's with what you are. Out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth is going to speak. God looks on the heart. And um, that's what Samuel said to Saul. I, nobody's doing anything wrong here. I'm, not, I'm, I'm just talking about this idea of the witness and what it means for the future, but primarily what it means about your relationship with God and your contributive into the cloud of witness. Yes, it does mean angelic. Yes, it does mean those that have gone before. In whatever way, God is regulating that. But the greater measure of it is... How are you doing with what he's put into your hands? That, that library of shared experience that you have a responsible to, you have a responsibility to, to teach others, to do and to teach. What are you doing with that? Or, or are you willing to say, oh, that was nice for a season. Now it's time for me to abandon that. He that puts his hand to the plow and turns back, God has no pleasure in him. You want to please God? Uh, this, is, this is really an interesting thing, but the onus is not a lecture of, of you better get with it. It's what's coming and why this was shown, and I bear witness with it. I, I, we've talked about breakthrough, and we, again, we've enjoyed it, but this, this idea of the, the common mission that the Father has launched to us from and empowered by the right hand, it's just something that is burning. Um, and uh, the, the promise of so much breakthrough is ahead. So 
with that, I said that the, the day after Labor Day, we're going to enter into an eight-day kind of a, a Samuel fast, and um, whether that is also like the solemn feast that goes into the eighth day. And we'll talk about that more, but just know it's not Labor Day. Everybody write that down, not Labor Day. If, if anybody forgets and says, what day does it start? You just call Cece. She'll straighten you out. It's not Labor Day. It's the next day. So you can go out like Mardi Gras and eat 15 hamburgers and do whatever you want to do. But don't get up the next day and say you're too sick to enter into this fast. That's the other thing. But, and, and if you should be fasting or offering something to the Lord, remember that our fasts don't impress him. It, 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 it's a fast of meekness. It pairs away things in our own lives to get to the core of who we are. It's, it's more for our benefit. And, and it's, a, it's a measure of sacrifice that I think, again, works the musculature of the identity of the martyrs, the witness. So this is, um, this is very interesting. The, the main reason I felt so strongly to clarify this witness and to maybe talk about it in a way that we never talked about before is to, first of all, remind all of us the great treasure that God has given to us and what this cloud really means. And again, in the Greek mindset, and you can study this for yourself, yes, it can mean the cumulus in the, cloud, in the sky, but for them in their philosophy-driven society, the cloud was more a philosophical standpoint. If you talked about a specific philosopher, or if you to Philo or Socrates, or as they say in Bill and Ted, Socrates, you know, I've never, I don't know what he's talking about. Well, whoever laughed, you can ask them later. Um, you know, it was their, their, their diorama of what they taught, and you embraced their cloud of thinking. They understood that was it. And it, even in the body, they believed that the, the kidneys really did represent, as it were, the reins of horses, uh, where what do, you, what do you believe? What are you thinking? Uh, what is dictating the course of your action? Who's controlling it? And, and so we've been given this as a pneumonicos individuals. It's based on the word. It's, it's the word, as you well know. But it's, it's really what is that cloud? It, it really is talking about the right hand of God talking about being before him as sons, hearing in faith what he's wanting you to represent from that place of the right hand, fulfilling what's written on that little book that's in Jesus' hand, um, walking the walk accordingly, uh, seeing things that God has reserved for this hour, brought to light and revealed. Seems to me that those are the same things that I read in Revelation 3, that identified what Jesus is as the witness. And that's what you've been given. That's what, that's what fills our cloud. And it's, it's saturated with the word. And only the word, hopefully. But the price for that is the martyrs. Generations have invested their lives to bring us to this point. And I believe God being the just God allows them 
in the brief moment to know that you're carrying forth in this. I'm not saying we pray to those people. I'm not saying they sprinkle fairy dust on us. I'm not saying any of that. But the, but the modern cloud is these ones that are holding fast to the things that God has revealed and to this, not just the things of understanding of principles, but the functionality of that. Any, uh, and I said I was finished, but I really am with this. So many of the things that pastors and leaders and individuals ask of us when, we, when God opens the door and we go somewhere to minister has to do with what's in that cloud. What has God revealed? I've been, I've been experiencing this in the Spirit. What does this mean? Well, as Peter said, this is that which was spoken of here in the Scripture. It's like we've been given part of our job as saints is to teach people how to be martyrs, how to embrace it, how to, how, to, how to construct the cloud in this nation and that nation, how to stand together and believe for that. Do you know how rare that is? It's not about, oh, I love Jesus, oh, and that's great. What is God giving you? You're like Peter. Hey, what's going on with that guy John over there? He really loves you. What is that to you, Peter? You be the rock. You be converted. You lead, the, you lead others into this. That's your job. You let John do what he's doing. Don't try to be like John. You be Peter. Okay, I'm done. Father, I thank you that those things that you have promised in your timing are coming, and they're coming in ways that we're seeing even now in ways that, uh, wow, we, we can't even, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of any person, the glorious things that God has reserved for those who love him. And Lord, thank you for this. Uh, whatever, this whatever this discussion of the, of the witnesses and uh, the identity of this place and the fact that you've put us here, uh, whatever that means, we ask that you will guide us, that we offer to you what is, uh, what is necessary, and that we will come into perfect alignment with what you are expecting from us in the days ahead. We commit ourselves to you, and thank you for this, Father. I speak blessing over every saint here and those that are joining us. Father, thank you for their lives Thank you for their faithfulness. Thank you for their commitment. Walk with them. Guide them. Teach them. And help us all to fulfill the will of our Father. And let us do a really good job of laying aside every weight and those things that easily beset us. Thank you for this, Jesus. We love you. And we ask all of this in your wonderful name. Amen. Amen. Well, if I've not beaten you down too much, you're able to stand up and go.